Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19, all new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. time of the year, there are a few guidelines all ghosts and goblins should follow. Always stay on sidewalks. Never go to a stranger's house. And never go out alone. Trick or treat! This is the one night that all sorts of things Rome free. I mean, if you're going to start a playlist or start an album, you have to start with a banger. You need a thesis statement. You need to hit all of your notes. Everyone who hits play on that first one has to know what they're in store for. I very much believe in that from following different kind of metal music and, and heavier rock stuff. You started off with, with a bit of something that's going to be a hit. And so for number one, for the inaugural movie of the 31 for 31 mixtape, we went with Trick or Treat. Number one the draft 2007 <laughs> anthology horror comedy is the number one draft pick in this mixtape. Michael Doherty's Trick or Treat. Because I just feel like it encapsulates every single element of the season, of the movies we're looking for. It's just, you know, hit after hit within itself, it's a mixtape. And there's no better way to start this. We didn't want to crush you with something depressing or go too far left, too far right. This is just the intro. Make some popcorn. Settle in for trick or treat. You're going to be hungry for more after this. <laughs> so to intro this film, Trick or Treat was a 2007, or still is, was is a 2007 debatable, debatable. horror anthology called. I know. Well, I guess there there is issues of when it actually came out, when it was produced. But it takes place over a single night in Halloween in a fictional town in Ohio. And it's told through interconnective smaller stories that slowly cross paths in and out. And there's some time jumps. But it really focuses on what is the theme of Halloween? What are the rules for Halloween? What are things we lose as we age and we you know, stop going out for this holiday, stop celebrating? What are the things we're looking for as a kid? What are our first introductions? And what are some of the tropes you can play with in and out? And what are things you expect to occur that night? And what you, might you be surprised to have happen? Well said. Well said. I guess it had its film premiere in 2007 at some film festival. Yep. Sat in development hell for about two years, two and a half years. Because I remember watching the trailer in high school and being like, yes, I cannot wait for this movie. And then Great that, cast. Yeah, great cast. And I was like... I, I, I mean, I just loved horror movies back then, obviously. I, and uh, any sort of Halloween movie I'm going to be interested in. And this one just seemed like a lot of fun. But I had to wait till I was, I think, a freshman in college is when I finally ended up watching it on like my tiny dorm room TV with like a few people we had invited into my freshman dorm. 
Uh, yeah, I don't think anyone really liked it to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think not it the was coolest not guy the, in the dorm after. That. <laughs> <laughs> I think they were like, "Oh, this is it." I remember like what, going and I, yeah, because I I don't think it really ever had a real release, which is a shame because no, it went straight to DVD in yeah, 09. I um I remember going to the the blockbuster in Boston and being like, "Yes, this is the Halloween movie I want." I might have picked up like another more of like a classic movie, but I was probably like, the really two cool. last rentals they made. <laughs> <laughs> It, it was it was is very close. I remember picking up like National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation before I Christmas break, and then when I came back to return it, the the store had boarded up. So <laughs> I still have that copy. Free on, copy, yeah, free copy. I'm very uh, so. I think I it was it worked out. But anyway, yeah, trick or treat. I mean, in a lot of ways, it's sort of like a microcosm of this mixtape because it's an anthology and anthologies in horror are kind of go hand in hand. You don't see too many other genres that use the anthology format. A great example of sort of just like we talked about, just there's a lot of passion going on behind this, the, the, the camera, like there's and in front, I should say, because it feels like everyone's just having fun with this and really just was like, Oh, we're going to make this, this love letter to Halloween. And I know the director, you know, he made a short film, uh, and when he was in school. So, I mean, he's been trying to make this movie. He had been trying to make this movie for many, many yeah. years. Se- season's greetings. He he has a HD version of it now up on his YouTube. Finally, it's very cute, hand drawn. And it's just it's almost just an intro to the Sam character in this film. We're going to be talking about Sam a lot. <laughs> little cutie. Yeah, yeah. I love yeah. Sam. I lo- and I, I that's a, I mean, if we're talking about what makes it Halloween and, you know, like what our things that we like about it i like that it introduces sort of this santa claus equivalent of the holiday which has sort of existed in other films you know you have jack skellington from a nightmare before christmas and then i think that's kind of it i guess like the devil in some sense (laughs) but michael myers gets to almost own it to a certain yeah yeah Yeah, it's it's kind of been taken over by just film culture Mm -hmm. you know there 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 isn't much of a connection to the origins of Halloween or All Hallows Eve anymore. And it's now, I feel like, very 70s-ified by slasher I mean, I think we're forgetting about the great deity of Halloween, which is the Great Pumpkin, the church that I belong (laughs) to. Long may they rise, you know. But outside of that... The Schultz Church? Yeah. Outside of that, we just got a bunch of, you know, a bunch of pagans and a bunch of jack-o'-lanterns. The the director did cite that. That that is an inspiration for the... um, the the school bus sequence is a reference to the great pumpkin from Charlie Brown. Well, they they fall yeah. in that example. Um. <laughs> and well, he wanted it in a graveyard, but couldn't get that done. And all the characters were originally supposed to be peanuts named, but the studio shut that down too. Oh, really? That's all. And <laughs> let, it, let us yeah, tell the trivia. joke. Come on. This film, through its release and through issues with its release, almost created itself as a cult classic accidentally because they had released it in a bunch of festivals it had gone around it started ending up on lists of movies seen at festivals and fun halloween films but it was nowhere to be seen it got criminally non-released in theaters and then just went to direct to dvd and then blu-ray and it started having a bit of a second life you know this past decade shout factory put out a limited edition special double disc blu-ray and now became almost what it 
it always should have been, but always is, is this small cult film about everything about Halloween and Halloween movies and just a love for the entire season and with combinations of creature effects, slasher effects, just kids' movies, adult stuff. It it goes really left and right, but is able to toe the line very well. It's funny. It's scary. It's got some pretty graphic scenes as well in terms of blood or injuries but it it's a great intro to anyone who wants to get into some sort of movie that's halloween based i feel like you could maybe not little kids probably not but any adult any friends you have someone who says i don't really like scary movies or i don't like horror movies or this or that you could put it on and yeah they're probably not going to like a couple of the scenes but you're going to be able to get them to sit down and get through it and because the the opening is a is a bit of a litmus test, but Sam's pretty cute. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, and I feel like the just in the di- distribution end of it, like it just sets it up for success for people who do watch it. I know that I watched it on Netflix during one of its cycles of getting tossed around different streaming services, and it had you know just based off of it having little name recognition, not having a theatrical release, not being from a director who at that point was well known before Krampus. Like that was a thing that. I just figured would be completely schlocky. And then I looked that Anna Paquin was in it. Brian Cox is in it. Dylan Baker's in it, you know, and w- turned it on and was like, this is something that probably snuck out of a theatrical release that, that didn't deserve it. So just inherently you're going to go into this usually thinking, Oh, okay. I'm, I'm just delighted with whatever I get. Cause I thought this was going to be <laughs> yeah. a dime store. You know, I mean, I'm sure producers were unsure how to sell it, but, for me, if you had if that opening scene of the trailer said from the writer of X two, I I would have given it a chance. Yeah, sure. <laughs> like <laughs> Brian Cox crossover. But, but then if it did say from the writer of X two, Urban Legends, Bloody Mary, <laughs> Superman Returns, I might have said, eh, I'll give it a chance. And, and now Returns. in the and now in the opening credits when it says produced by Brian Singer, you might be like, oh, uh, yeah. There's a, there's a couple couple people that have names attached to this that were yeah. we're taking some distance. I feel like other than other than those couple names, which we will also mention later, um, and maybe two hard drops of the R word, uh, it hasn't aged poorly. Yeah, gender politics are up to their not adequate date. Let's say, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, but, uh, it's also it's kids. I feel like it's it's hard to live in a world of correctness when you're remembering how terrible middle school and high school yeah. kids are. Children antagonists saying borderline slurs are believable. <laughs> so I, I don't know. That's a tough. <laughs> that's a tough area. But yeah, I'd say overall, yeah. my you know, I probably was the least acquainted with this because I'd only seen it the once, and then just have seen it in compilations and things. And it's been years, probably probably saw this close to eight years ago and i'd say just having seen it recently again it's really something where a lot of the set pieces and things uh, around werewolves or around a a haunted you know bus catastrophe and those kind of things kind of were in the back of my head but all of the other pieces and who the players were and all those didn't really connect with me and i think it's something that definitely you know the images and the you know especially sam being this this haunted pumpkin headed Santa Claus stuck with me, but I was really surprised to enjoy some of the other scenes that aren't necessarily as 
big swings, you know, just little domestic fights with Sam and Brian Cox or, you know, Dylan Baker chopping up a body, things that don't really necessarily stand out as the big moments in the film, all were just really delightful. Something that I didn't remember as much, but definitely just watching it again, knowing a bit more about the production and, the, and everything else, instead of just turning something on in a lark around Halloween a few years ago. It was just something that definitely... You could feel the energy behind the creator caring about this holiday, caring about there being a sacred, you know, ancient tradition attached to this that matters and imbuing all of these other little nods and references that said, like, this is my my thesis statement for how this holiday should be respected. Like if, if this is my ideal town, the town who takes Halloween too seriously, you know, outside of <laughs> Halloween town, which I'm sorry, <laughs> I will argue will be uh, our 32nd pick, let's say. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Spoiler. Looking at this film, and it felt almost sacrilegious to watch it, not in October, but I will say walking out of the film, revisiting it again, I was like, oh man, I'm so, I'm like so jacked up for Halloween right now. And it's like eight months away. (laughs) Yeah. To your credit, Chris, you know, when you fought hard, like this really is just like a great way to like start off uh, a month of these films. Like it does kind of cover these bases and kind of hits those right chords for like what, how, like a Halloween movie kind of is. It definitely feels like if you were to watch, you know, the starting of a sitcom about Halloween or one of the Simpsons Treehouse of Horrors, it feels like that version on a grander scale. On the rewatch, I don't know if this is just because I recently watched so many Christmas movies, but I do love the final Brian Cox sequence that just kind of wraps everything up. And I I just like the Scrooge aspect of it. Yeah. Um, But I think my favorite scene in the entire movie is something else. So I don't know. What is it? (laughs) I absolutely love the... Billy Wilkins and yeah, you, Principal you Stephen Wilkins. Yeah, you have to Wilkins. talk about that. I'll talk about Brian like, Cox and you can chime in, but you have to talk about your love of Billy Wilkins because that's I I fucking pop every time. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll I'll share love... I'll share that last bit with you, but that I I need yeah, to hear maybe you just say Billy Wilkins really loud. <laughs> yeah, you can just set it up when like that he's interacting with. Um, yeah, you'll, the you'll it kick is it funny that me. like that all of our least favorite ones is like. I mean, not least favorite, but like the the one that has like Anna Paquin, the Academy Award winner. Yeah, <laughs> we'll just kind of walk around that being like, okay, you just, it's a one joke thing. Like, it's like, yeah, she's yeah. a virgin. It's like at eating people. And then I do like the one joke where they're like, you had a girl. And it's like, oh, I ate her ass. They all taste the same. And it's like, what? Like, that's such a like bananas line. And then afterwards, it's like, oh, um. Yeah, no, I guess it's just they ate that person. So over the course of this movie, we have four different interwoven stories. There is a shorter opening story, a story about a principal and his son, a story about what may or may not have happened to a bunch of students on a school bus. There is a surprise party that's going to be happening out in the woods that a group of I think high school and college girls are getting prepared for. And then there is the following of Sam on his journey around the town. So I guess that's more than four. <laughs> four and an intro, we'll say. Yeah. But each one has its has its strengths and weaknesses, but each one is played with love and plays with different elements of other Halloween movies and TV shows and sitcoms. And we all have favorites and things we liked and disliked. So let's dive into that. 
I feel like I'll kick it off just with the one that I feel like none of us picked, which is I'll just do a brief synopsis of what we feel about um, our, our friends at the surprise party. This is probably the least integrated. It has one little reference to sort of what Chris loves a lot with Dylan Baker's character. But man, this one has Anna Paquin. So that's, you know, a huge get, you know, earlier in her career. But I guess, although probably over 15 years after she won or, you know, her Academy Award. (laughs) Uh, But all that to say, basically, it's a bunch of women dressing up as Disney characters or Red Riding Hoods and things talking about having a party and trying to get Anna Paquin to break her virginity, you know, like have her big moment because they're casting themselves as very loose and trying to get men. That's like the whole angle, which comes across really icky for a while. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, you know, as it comes along, you find out that it's all just a one joke nod to them getting men out into the woods and feasting on their flesh as werewolves. So that's, you know, this is kind of what we'll call the werewolf one. It really has some fun creature effects where they turn into werewolves, they rip off their entire skin, which is a fun transformation. But outside of that, it really, it doesn't have that same sense of, you know, an eerie urban legend that's following you around this town, you know, takes itself out of the town into the woods. It's really kind of a sticks out like a sore thumb, except for, you know, our favorite Dylan Baker ends up being one of the victims, which we'll touch on as well. But outside of that, didn't resonate as much for for most of us. Uh, ha- obviously stuck in my mind from having seen it the first time with this big set piece of this woods party where, you know, we're just turning into these evil f- flesh ripping werewolves definitely ingrained itself. Yeah, the, the transformation with skin coming off is something really exciting yeah. I feel like you don't you don't see that sort of transformation there are a few like gratuitous shots of breasts I, don't, I wonder if, if that was something the producers the, asked for the studio yeah, for all those werewolf fetishers out there I don't there's know there's a little bit of some of the maybe the stuff that aged the worst or I that is some of the like sophomoric humor in terms of like sex it's like a little like it, you I think maybe especially now where we kind of look back we're like that's a little icky yeah, um, kinda yeah. Like- but it does work in, in this world of Halloween movies that are you know, revolving around teens dealing with sex and going to a party in the woods or some sort of thing. And then, and even with real teens, like at a certain point you could fall out of Halloween and you come back into it when you realize people are going to dress up sexy and we can just get drunk. Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's a challenge for all of like referential horror now too, to have like, you know, say cabin in the woods at, at its most referential, having a character literally play the archetypical ditzy blonde, you know, as a part of a ritual, you know, it starts to, bleed into okay how much of this is you playing homage to something that's like hey you know we know that there are loose women and rules for having sex in horror movies that's been established but how much does giving them a nod lend into that just still being in a movie again (laughs) you know so it's nice that (laughs) this one has those women just eat the men who are lusting after them i get that that has an angle but still get gratuitous you know (laughs) it it does feel like the least tied into the rules of this movie and i love a movie with rules and set pieces and things that follow those rules and 
that doesn't have too many rules or exploitation scene. I mean, this does a few times tell you on the nose, but it's not, there's not some big ending where someone on a chalkboard goes through all the rules and you're like, wait, the tethering wouldn't make sense at all now. Yeah. But, I mean, hey, it's all about, did you do something that you shouldn't have done because of Halloween tradition and you're punished? And this one yeah. is just, yeah. did you try to hook up with a woman who asked you to? <laughs> and that's like, I don't yeah. know. And that's where, yeah, Stephen, Principal Stephen Wilkins has to deal with that i'm not sure about the other people who got eaten at the party what they did but i assume in the rules of the movie they've done something to deserve it they blew out a can they blew out a jack-o-lantern it was off screen and that's their punishment i i also this is like the 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 big set piece is really cool with the werewolves and i like that they made them werewolves instead of like oh budget cut uh i guess they're vampires now we'll just give them fangs they're like no we're gonna have like these crazy like transformation effects i will say the marilyn manson soundtrack makes me cringe and i i still i can't get over it it feels like tonally it comes off really weird to me apparently it was originally written as peggy lee's fever which is i think a little more tongue-in-cheek or would have been more tongue-in-cheek yeah but it's like it's overtly like, sexualized in it's a like way that's yeah, it's not like delightful super, yeah um and especially you know him covering sweet dreams yeah it's just like it feels kind of like try hard and like a little bit too much like like i don't listen to Marilyn manson but anytime his music comes on it just comes off as like okay we need a track that's like really dark and like yeah like gross it's it's also the only time we get a actual needle drop of a real song and the rest of it is scored really fun it's it's just got those nice nods to halloween movies and and kind of bigger and smaller orchestral moments and then this one just it's leans a into new metal yeah. and you're just like i don't i didn't necessarily need this at, right now or this song i personally just really don't like sweet dreams that song <laughs> in the, its original version i for some reason it's like ingrained it in my mind seeing that music video on mtv and i just like cannot get it out of my head and yeah and it completely goes be... against what they're trying to do they're trying to have a female empowerment yeah. moment by sexualizing them conquering their would be you know like misogynist yeah you know people around them and i, I think that's the the trouble with it yes. it's like i think of like the chick sung by sung by a guy who has a history of issues with the way he treats women who is covering a song that was made by a woman yeah it's a it's a layered problem and i think that the even just for the impact of the scene i think of like you know when they finally spoilers for death proof you know but at the end when kurt russell finally gets his a bunch of ladies that he has ogled and and tried to hurt you know like he has so many other women like they beat his ass to death and they play chick habit which is just like yeah like you know it's like it's more gleeful it's more like it's completely unsexualizing of them it's just like we are a fun gang of people that ousted our would-be abuser kind of thing and it's like that's fun that's available this makes me feel skeezy <laughs> i don't yeah like, i don't makes, like yeah. watching this scene. it makes me feel skeezy for sure and I, I i disagree i wish they had gone with a more like yeah like a, a different tonal like it should have been like more of a contrast for sure like that is like it's probably my biggest pet peeve of and like nitpick of the movie is this song playing yeah. with this scene I, um, and I I don't know or, or just go they could have just gone the other way that they do with a bunch of the kills where it it's kind of already fading into its next part of the of the next story in line and you're just hearing the people being or kids being torn apart and like murdered in the background all these screams this one i think for the transformation they could have just left it with the creature effects and made it really visceral because it's just skin being ripped off and not have 
Maryland they had the movie. blood for the scene bought in bulk and they were like, well, we might as well show this one and not have a Texas Chainsaw sound <laughs> moment, you know? Yeah, right. right. I, I think that's But a yeah, I, I think watch. something scored there would have been more fun. But overall, like, I mean, it's Anna Paquin. She's doing a great job throughout the entire thing. She's not really given much. I don't know what it was like in the script for her, but she's having fun with it. And it is a nice flip on its head once you realize that the older sister and friends aren't actually there to make fun of her and catch her in something or make something awkward for her. They are just pushing her along the whole time and then going to murder people together. It benefits maybe the most from what we watch just leading up to the big joke, only because there's a lot of just like fun, like, like lines that like when you watch again you're like oh okay like the whole the whole scene of them trying on the costumes is a lot funny yeah it's like in in, in rewatch you hooked up with a sailor and you know when you eat their ass it all tastes the same (laughs) and you know if they're a man or a woman it's like when you're watching that the first time you're like what (laughs) 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 okay why are you talking about this and it's like oh okay yeah they literally you know consumed and i think in in terms of the timeline this one I was trying to remember how this one, because it, it ends with them driving away and they stop because... They almost hit um, the girl uh, from the my favorite segment, which is like the pumpkin uh, patch and the, the, the... Yeah, Rhonda. Yeah, they almost hit Rhonda from the Halloween bus massacre story, which is the little kids. And that's your favorite? Definitely a standout. That's my favorite. Um, I think... You know, like I, I, if we're talking about this whole film as a whole, like its structure, a, you know, a theme that was sort of apparent was sort of each segment is it's almost like the Sphinx's riddle of covering a different aspect of Halloween, like in terms of your age. The werewolves and the women is sort of like when you're a little bit your college age and what that what Halloween means then, which is a lot about sex and like partying and you know, the, the pup, this Halloween school bus massacre storyline is when you're a kid and you're allowed to go trick or treating alone and do things like that for this first time. What age was that for you? <laughs> I think it was probably seventh grade for me. Again, a very traumatic year. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, I feel like I was allowed to do it somewhat early from the way my, my, my block is growing up. There's a, I had a whole bunch of friends that had older brothers and it was just like we have a block and then the end of the block has a park and it's kind of this like little contained neighborhood block that you can just like walk around in. And so as kids, we were out all the time. And so Halloween was was a night we could be out. But the real night was the night before a mischief night when like all of us would go out and we'd be throwing toilet paper over the <laughs> power lines and spraying allegedly sh- uh, shaving, <laughs> shaving cream on it. Well, I got caught a few times, so I think I'm guilty. Okay. It's on it's on the record. Yeah, we would hit shaving cream on the toilet paper so it'd stick to cars and just <laughs> throwing eggs. And, you know, in our mind, we thought no one would figure out who this was because we're just like crazy kids at midnight out in the dark. But it, we were the only kids on the block. So it was obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> would it, would this count would would sam hold this against you i don't know i don't know what the rule I, th- there was no there was no like jamie kennedy character who kind of explained all the rules which i would have liked i don't think sam would have held that again i i always followed the rules i i really like halloween it's fun 
I might have I might have pushed some of the rules too far in terms of the mischief and evil. Don't <laughs> smash any jack o' lanterns. That's yeah. pretty I much. I the hated only that. Thing. I didn't do that. Yeah. I I really hated when neighbors and kids and people would smash you jack o' lanterns. Destroy so. decorations. Would, you added decorations. Yeah. 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 We would TP houses and power lines. Usually it was people we knew, or it was municipal government property. Yeah. We, Take that. Power, power to the power. people. <laughs> Power to the players. Although the the yeah. the right the right aid um, slash Walgreens slash whatever it turns into every few months at the end of our our block did stop selling eggs and shaving cream to anyone under eighteen. Wow. like three days leading up until <laughs> Wise. Halloween. Wise. Because I don't know if that's legal, but I guess they could do it. <laughs> yeah, want. because it was a little you know it's a little apparent when four like twelve year olds are there buying like a dozen eggs and shaving yeah. cream. We're like, oh, we're making pancakes. <laughs> Got my first mustache and I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, back to the um, the Halloween school bus massacre storyline, which is I think my favorite, just because I think it's it it sort of ties into my favorite sort of Halloween stories, which is this sort of urban legend. It's these four children all in these goofy costumes, and they invite like the weirdo of the school to go down to the quarry. Described with the R word at first, but then replaced with the much more tasteful idiot savant, which which never really like yeah. clicked for me. But we're gonna. She's just the the outsider, we'll say. Right, right, right. Uh, poor Rhonda. Yeah. I mean, those who make some great great jack o' lanterns. Oh, fantastic jack o' lanterns. I mean, honestly, and... the whole town. <laughs> we have yeah, to the, just the, give the, this credit to the whole town. Well, I think Warren Valley, Ohio, Ohio, is the name of the town. Just sounds awesome. Like that would, I mean, Halloween was, I guess, a big but, <laughs> high but risk, they high reward. Shot this, they actually shot this in Vancouver, and that whole like big party town scene is something that does actually happen in Vancouver. All right, oh, shouts man. out to Vancouver. Little they have pretty leaves, yeah. you know. I'm, I'm trying to remember what that festival was, but they do a festival there in Vancouver, and that's how they shot that big, you know, whole town party scene. They used, I, I'm not sure if it's practical, but they used the people who who actually put on that festival. Good move. Good move. Love a good Halloween party. So yeah, poor Rhonda is just picked on ruthlessly by these these kids who decide to just do this prank on her just because she's different, which is always you know a horrible thing. And they go down to the quarry and they explain that a group of special needs slash development development uh, are. I guess, like, I guess, what what were the, what was wrong with those kids? Well, I think that again, this is where we get into the territory of them being described as just like you know deranged children. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the idea of like this was the 1960s or 70s, and people had no bandwidth to understand anyone who was different. Yeah, and or some or a child that just had extra needs. I think because it seems like um, they would have been across a whole spectrum of different disorders or issues, and it was the type of thing that people just put them on a separate <laughs> yeah bus. the only uniting factor is like d- father i think can't it's the parents are shitty is the uniting yeah, factor. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah yeah they uh, i mean just i mean but it's a great sort of example of like a tradition of like the the dark secret of the town like we're gonna do a flashback and it's this great little set piece where the bus driver is paid off by the parents of these quote-unquote deranged <laughs> deranged children and presumably to kill them by driving it off a quarry. I'm not sure what the plan was. There's probably some holes in that. Like 
hey, bus driver, whatever happened to those kids we entrusted you with? Or your bus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, they must have paid him pretty handsomely that he was, A, willing to commit mass murder to a bunch of helpless children on Halloween, and then also, you know, have to deal with his bus being in a quarry. And yeah, it's just... It, I was wondering, does he did he change his name? Or something. He I mean, did. he still lives. I did. I did figure that out that he changed his name. Okay, we'll he get changed, to. We changed his yeah. name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, part of me wonders if the bus is actually there. It's. I think it's there. It's definitely there. It. I mean, I think it doesn't. It shows up on Halloween, and it's just sort of one of those things that. Ooh, is it there in November? I think November first, it just kind of vanishes. I'm not going to it check. It sinks yeah. back in. That, yeah, that's what I hope. <laughs> In my head, that bus only appears when it needs to. Yeah, and it's I, like the Great Pumpkin. It, yeah, <laughs> it's the exactly it's the, uh, room of requirement of this universe. <laughs> and thankfully, it does because these you know the kids pull this prank on poor Rhonda, and they say, "Oh no!" Like the the kids, the deranged children have come back, and with very believable zombie effects that they throw together to to fool her. Yeah, they did. They go through all this. They jump yeah, through all these sausage. Yeah, they they pull a sausage. They they pour ketchup and fake blood on one of the the kid dressed as a pirate to have the zombies eat him. And they scare the shit out of this poor girl who like falls back and hits her head. And of course, you know, this being a Halloween movie, this being a horror movie, you know, they get their comeuppance when the actual children come back and start you know attacking these bullies of the film. And Rhonda you know, just lets him die. <laughs> Pretty yeah, horrible. Closes yeah. the elevator door on him like, whoops. Yeah. And I don't know if you guys listen to Michael Doherty's commentary, but he does talk about how in one of the drafts of the script, Rhonda is actually also a ghost and dead. But I do like that that is not the final element there. But part of me did think in my head, what if she was one of the werewolves too mm. and because all these kids had cried wolf the first yeah, time it was a little bit of a and cry they cried it again wolf. she didn't believe it but she's an actual wolf if they had done that nod i would have been like this is too connected yeah she hears the she hears the howl which which is a fun little moment when there's all these howls and she's like werewolves and the other kids just like what yeah and she i mean that's why she is the sort of She's very into it. She cars pumpkins, pumpkins a lot. She identifies yeah. werewolf. Calls, she mentions Sawin. Mentions Sawin, and of course gets like the eye roll, like okay, you know, Brainiac from all the other kids. Yep. Which, which, if you don't know, Sawin is actually spelled S A M to start. Sam, wink, wink. <laughs> which Celtic is where that festivals. character got it. Got his name from. Yeah. So. I was saying it's a nice slow moment. Nice slow moment. Yeah, but yeah. and the Sa- the Sam Ronda moment I love. Yeah. Yeah. I think like, he, hey he man, can... you're the only person who passes the test in this movie <laughs> in the long run. Yeah. Like <laughs> I do like, yeah, I love the little nod that Sam gives to Rhonda as if to say, Good job, kid. Like those kids deserved it. And you don't actually really see what happens to them, but you see you hear some pretty awful Ooh. like rip, brutal. ripping and tearing of these children which there's a lot of bone crunching yeah a lot of sockets it's the kind of I have a, a thing about these kind of kills these off-screen kills the texas chainsaw kills where it's just the sounds where i usually like them but when they go when you hear enough flesh ripping for like a minute and people are still screaming yeah. with the whole of their voice i'm like how inefficiently are you being murdered <laughs> if somebody is tearing you apart when is yeah, shock in my mind, kicking it's like in? it's like foot 
then shin, then <laughs> leg, really and working, each piece is coming Working up. your way up to the inner, and it's like, yeah, because she, she makes a full elevator ride. She makes a meal out of it, you know, so to, you know, pun intended. <laughs> yeah. but. And another uh, little fun fact from the commentary was that all of the kids in the bus scene were actual um, people with disabilities or injuries that had been brought into the cast to, to do that scene and, and really enjoyed it and, and made those masks specifically based on masks from, I don't remember the name of the famous photographer, but there's a few famous photographers that had taken pictures of early Halloween kids and homemade masks. And that's why they look, they look pretty homemade. They look and, pretty and, yeah. fucking scary. <laughs> yeah, they're scary. They're, <laughs> if you look online, like, hey. yeah. I mean, the rabbit too. If you look online, you'll find some of these older early Halloween photos that are very scary of just a homemade mask is a lot more terrifying than a plastic one. Mine kind of flows from this one before we get into Chris's, which we'll backtrack to, I guess, which I, I know Chris has an appreciation for this one as well, which is kind of how the movie ends with Sam doing his his rounds, figuring out what's going on with different, uh, different houses, making sure they're checking all the boxes, which a lot of the boxes that don't get checked are all like right across the street from each other. So he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to walk his little legs long. Very, very convenient. <laughs> yeah. It's like next door, across the street, done, you know? I mean, cause once he has, you know, Leslie bib, like parts of her body in that bag, that's, that's a bit to drag. Yeah. It's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a schlep. I think my favorite is when we find out that Brian Cox's character, who's been this kind of curmudgeon, grin, you know, Grinchy equivalent, you know, Ebenezer Scrooge of the holiday, who doesn't like people knocking at his door, doesn't like the sound, doesn't like Dylan Baker doing what Chris is going to mention next door in the other segment. We actually come to find that he is the bus driver who escaped all those years ago. So he's named Krieg and uh, does a makes a you know, it's a small role, but puts a lot of butter on it, which is a phrase I'll use in every episode because it's my favorite. Um, <laughs> uh, because, you know, he he really gets to have this standoff with Sam. Sam usually is just kind of either having uh, jump scares or just kind of watching menacingly. But this is like a full blown reveal fight with him that, you know, d- isn't totally remarkable. Just like monster attacks old man, tries to defend himself. How does it go? You know, but just stands out for being like, really well 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 done by brian cox overperforming this role <laughs> for what's required of him but also just kind of a fun play of the, slowly revealing through the fight what this sam creature is you know and we we get this to be kind of i think the kicking off point where he breaks the rules is kind of like kicking people off of you know ringing his doorbell and just kind of being a curmudgeon about all of halloween and that's why sam kind of breaks in, starts to decorate his house or the outside of it. And him being upset about that kind of kicks off the conflict. I don't know if he, does he break any other overt rules that is like the final straw? He doesn't put out any jack-o'-lanterns. Yeah, okay. That's I think, a big yeah, one. Yeah, I think so it's the lack of jack-o'-lanterns, but maybe just the disrespect yeah. that he, the general that he showed to scrooginess Halloween. of it all, you know, so. Or the, the fact that he murdered like 30 kids. <laughs> yeah, well, that will get but to he that. Did, but he did give them candy. Yes. He did. He yes. Did. So check so that out. So I don't know. We have to look at the scales. I don't know what crosses which out. Like does giving candy and then murdering the person, is that net zero? Yeah, we'll come back to Leslie Bibb. Um, 
and why she was murdered as well. Because I thought that was a little harsh from Sam. You, yeah. you should be able to get a, a warning. lines being crossed. Very, you know, foot, she was foot on the three-point line, so to speak, you know. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the fight ends up being pretty fun. We get a, a shotgun blast or two over to Sam. Sam's just, you know, sliding around like a little toddler with a, with a menacing candy slasher, uh, like a little uh, sucker that, has a lollipop edge well, carved but, in. But before that, he's got the chocolate bar. Yeah, so he's got like a lot of fun weaponry. I love on. that reveal of just opening a chocolate bar with a razor yeah. box cutter in <laughs> so it. So he's got a lot of sharp weaponry with fun little nods and and Brian Cox is just kind of like, I'm, I'm fully committed to this, like it's a murder scene. There's no funniness in this scene. Like this is a full blown, like Eastern promises bathroom fight. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so we, in this, we get his hood finally taken off, revealing this kind of gross pumpkin heady thing. We, you know, when he takes, when he takes blast to the head or body, he's getting pumpkin seeds and, and goop. And there is that very, I feel like almost evil dead moment when his hand, the comes one back. moment Brian Cox, well, before that, the one moment Brian Cox kind of breaks and he turns and pulls up the shotgun and you hear Sam go like, whoa, <laughs> and just gets yeah. nailed with a shotgun blast. I I smile so hard every time that yeah, happens. Yeah, and he slides right across the floor, which is pretty fun. It's it's funny because he, he walks like such a toddler and it's so bizarre. Like it it, it must I, it must have been played by a little kid or it, it was. It, yeah, yeah, it's a kid actor. He just has like this like a, this energy and it's and I love the reveal of his head. Like it is like. Like a pumpkin head who never got watered or something like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's gross. It's really missing a chin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's got nice little, you know, the monster style hand climbs back to him. And having it filled with like with all the pumpkin seed and sinew f- coming out of it looks. I love that effect. Just it's just simple. You could have gone crazy creature effects or intestines or things that come out of like the thing, but it's just it's just pumpkin yeah in it. It if works. you had like blood trickle coming out of the head it would be fine but this just is like oh this is even this is even worse this is grosser so i feel like that's a good setup and then the the kind of payoff for that is is fun and calming for about one and a half minutes when <laughs> you've got to have this like <laughs> accidental right before you get stabbed kind of an accidental handing off of a candy bar which, you know, kind of gets stabbed through. And then Sam's like, oh, you gave me a candy bar. So everything's kind of, again, the balances are, you know, in the favor of the spirit of Halloween. So he waddles off and goes to basically what becomes the beginning of the movie in the whole uh, across the street. There's a little conflict at the yeah. beginning, which we'll get to. But it's nice. Just like, oh, OK, Brian Cox is confused, but that's uh, a nice way to end that. And I'm sure Brian Cox will have learned his lesson, which he does. And he starts to give kids candy and you know hey, everything's great but then the second knock at the door because we know he's that bus driver is all of those zombified children not looking for candy looking for his innards so we get <laughs> uh you know we he finally learned his lesson but it's too late he gets attacked and that's that's how the movie wraps up but cut cut to comic book. yeah cut to comic yeah. book kit little interstitials to wrap it up but you know that just the through line from very like creep show tales of the crypt kind of yeah just like a nice through line from jamie's favorite segment to the end to even this little epilogue uh tells a nice little story of like the little revenge that goes on outside of even what sam's in control of yeah and that story kind of connects all the other ones it isn't directly connected to the woods werewolf party except for at the end, you kind of get all these pieces come together. But there is that fun moment in this that plays the second time while you're watching 
Brian Cox's character get attacked by Sam, where he's banging on the window, yelling at his neighbor, who is none other than Principal Stephen Wilkins, <laughs> who is just my favorite character and little story in this movie. And he's so saccharine sweet and yet evil at the same time and so creepy a bit of i don't know ned flanders meets like sitcom dad who is also just a terrible person and and we're introduced to him not even being friendly we're introduced to him making sure the rules of halloween are enforced after the kid who i don't know what his name is but he's from um bad grant or no bad santa after he's been knocking over jack-o'-lanterns comes up to the porch to get some candy and you realize that principal Stephen wilkins is not the nicest person because he's poisoned the candy and this kid pukes some of the craziest <laughs> puke i've ever seen i i like that it's it's not the typical vegetable soup or anything like that it is projectile it's like it goes all the way down the stairs was liquefied <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like bile but thick i don't know i thought it, and also i thought it was supposed to be like chocolate like it was I, my impression was that yeah. he was meant to be he just like had gorged himself on a disgusting amount of chocolate and you know the principal poisoned him with a, a candy bar and he's just like that makes sense like yeah just puking a disgusting amount of everything that he'd been eating that night because he is the type of kid that seems like he's been like stealing candy from, uh, or that's how, yeah, it's how he's introduced. He's stealing from Wilkins's, uh, you yeah. know, take one from the, the, bowl. the community bowl, and the principal kind of sits him down and gives him a, you know. And so that might be a harsh punishment initially, <laughs> but he did knock over a bunch of jack o' lanterns, so maybe he does deserve to get poisoned and die. If Wilkins, I, I don't set, the, I don't set the rules here. If Wilkins didn't get him, Sam would have paid him a visit. I think is the, yeah. the implication. Yeah. And then, and then Principal Wilkins brings in this kid, and he has him in the backyard, and he's burying him. And I fucking pop so hard every time you hear the chatter from the window, and the light comes on, and. Dylan Baker pops his, pops his head up and just has to go, Billy Wilkins. <laughs> I, I cannot deal with that line delivery, that scene. I love it. I absolutely love it. They're a great father-son father, father son duo in this movie. It's very funny. It's, it's, very it's funny. done so well. That little scene of just him bearing him, interacting with the kid, Dad, but I want to do, Dad, you said you'd help me with the eyes. The thing is that you, you get, like, you get in the 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 mind like dylan baker's mindset of like this fucking kid like shut the fuck up like yeah it's a very just trying to bury this child yeah it's a great setup for their relationship that then gets kind of flipped on his head it it shows that even someone who's a serial killer still has to deal with time management and children and their plans getting changed on the fly yeah and he's out there burying him and that's where we get his interaction with his neighbor who turns out to be brian cox's character and he doesn't want to deal with the dog. And throughout this whole scene is when the Sam attack is actually happening in the next door, which on multiple rewatches, they kind of cut out what seems like a lot of shotgun blasting that would <laughs> yeah. have been happening next door. <laughs> they're in the yeah, basement. No, during that. They're, in the yeah, basement. they're in the basement or it's some. Yeah, I, it's, it's to be fair. If you are a serial killer, you probably ignore shotgun blasts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's really playing. His character from Happiness, where he like rapes yes. and murders children and stuff. It's like, but we're just like, as opposed to being like the most alarmed that I've ever been in a movie watching that, we're just very gleefully being like, yeah, let's murder more children. You know? so, <laughs> I was kind of sad when eventually 
this ties back later where we find out that he is, you know, also serial killing as a, you know, kind of fake vampire for women in the community. And he is now the, to wrap it all up to the beginning, the, the werewolf victim. I was like, Oh, principal Wilkins, my favorite murderer. Yeah. You know? I kind of was bummed too. I was like, oh, I mean, it makes sense. And you know, he, he, plants the seeds when he tells his son, like, I can't, I have a date tonight. And then you later find out that his date is, I guess, just wearing a mask and like trying to kill people as a fake vampire. Yeah. yeah. But I wonder if he also breaks Sam's rules by poisoning kids. I guess. Because it kind of seems like more of his candy probably has poison and things in it. Maybe like right. the razor blades and the candy thing is an affront yeah. to Halloween culture. Yeah. it's Even though Sam uses that as a weapon. Yeah, I mean, Sam never comes after him. He's just kind of watching. Sam is a child, so he may not even understand the rules himself. Sometimes he might just be like, you know, it's like he has to follow. He's got it like written on crayon or something, and he's like trying to figure it out himself. Yeah, it's a loosey goosey understanding. And that's why the Leslie Bibb of it all is kind of a sad, like, really? Okay, well, uh, I guess that. Yeah, (laughs) that's on par with what, you know, all of these murderous people did. But she says she hates Halloween. Yeah. That's the same thing as like, hey, murderers are executed and blasphemers are executed in the Bible. You know, so I guess that's that's what Sam is injecting into this. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, that interaction between Principal Stephen Wilkins and his son, Billy Wilkins. I just love the name Billy Wilkins. I love that whole like character arc and that he goes downstairs and the entire time you're thinking he's going to kill his son. He's a terrible person. But in reality, he's training his son to be the next serial killer, which knowing that his son is also going to become a serial killer makes it less sad at the end when you realize he's sitting on the stoop alone and his father has been brutally dismembered by a werewolf. (laughs) But, you know, sometimes you got to, you know, snip it at the head of a serial killer in in training. Well, I think that we're going to get Billy Wilkins in Trick or Treat too. Which kind of takes us to that element of all this, where maybe based off the anthology, but all and based off the loose ends, we got Rhonda, we've got those werewolves, werewolf pack. Maybe they'll meet up. We've got Billy Wilkins. Yeah. You know, I would I would love to see a old Rhonda opposite of uh, Brian Cox's character in this one, where she's the old crazy person keeping all of the Halloween rules and the high school kids have given up on we'll have brian cox with like an eye patch and like yeah she has her halloween 2000 whatever it was 18 halloween 2 but named halloween but whatever her moment where she's the old woman but she would have way better fucking planning and actually kill michael myers i mean fire doesn't work guys Um, (laughs) or like or bright lights like what are you doing (laughs) i i mean it it is a funny point and then we talked about this movie like kind of missed out on its because of its protracted you know or it's non-theatrical release and sort of it's late direct-to-video that there was never been a trick-or-treat too, which is always something that like seems surprising to me. And I'm really shocked that Shudder or Netflix hasn't just ponied up like the $10 million it would cost to just make a movie like this again, like make a sequel that already has A, it's a horror movie. It's got a built-in fan B, base. Yeah. B, it's yeah. yeah built-in fan base. And C, it's just like Michael Dougherty, I think is has said that he's trying to make it. I mean, his last film was a Godzilla film. So I hope he just made a shit ton of money and is like, all right, I'm going to make trick or treat too now. And hopefully some studio ponies up. Cause I would love to see another one of these. Yeah. I think this could have easily be picked up into some sort of five episode thing, something interchangeable, but I think the structure of it works very well in this viewing. I, I know Michael Dougherty has talked about 
having versions where you could watch each one on its own organically, each separate story. But I don't know if that would be as interesting. I think the fun part, especially on the rewatches, since you know a few of the reveals, like the werewolves, like the principal Stephen Wilkins as a serial killer and getting murdered at the end, are more fun to see these connections on the second, third, fourth viewing that when kids are walking up to the one house, you see the kids from the Halloween bus massacre actually coming out of this or coming off the stoop from Brian Cox's murder. You know that where it opens and the car stops suddenly and the girls are all laughing in it, that that's actually Rhonda walking past. And I think those elements are more fun to see that this is happening all at the same time. And there's all these rules and there's that this overall theme that it doesn't matter which rule you break or where you are. It's, it's this one night that's important and that keeping those traditions alive or what matters. So I think having a five episode little Netflix series would be fun of these little Halloween stories that could kind of have pieces that interconnect like a smaller version of the Fargo season. I'm just saying if we can do, if we can do a six episode revival of creep show on shutter with the quality of content that they put out, the interest level would be there. And I think if you did that as a little faux episodic thing that ties yeah. together that would be a, a pretty big draw yeah yeah what would you say is the recommended viewing uh setting for a movie like this not your freshman college dorm for sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah don't i don't recommend that unless you're with a- i mean yeah it's it's such a fun one to watch with people and to kind of set up a home viewing i do i do love introducing this to new people because outside of i think the realm of people into midnight movies cult movies anthologies that's a pretty small window you've got the vhs series you've got some other ones you're not usually getting a typical movie watcher to know about some sort of horror anthology and so it's fun as an introduction because nothing in here is too crazy too out of the blue too fucked up and so you can you can get people a little drunk make some popcorn make a dinner you can put it on and none of them demand so much attention that you can't be chatting in and out of it or laughing or 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 pausing it or rewinding it i with that said i would love to go to a place like alamo draft house and see a late night screening of this with a ton of people since it never got that theatrical distribution but right now, with the way things are and and not seeing it in theaters, I think inviting people over and watching other people watch it is really fun. Yeah, I hope we're able to do that this October um, because this is definitely like a crowd pleaser. I think a crowd a, a crowd that <laughs> sort of knows what they're getting into. Yeah, it's a good party. It starts. It kind of starts the party. It's it's a fun one, and it's not one where you feel like you're interrupting anything if you're talking because sometimes it's awkward. You have friends over and. And you're excited to show them something. You put on this scary movie or or a Halloween movie or something horror and you turn all the lights off and for two hours, no one talks to each other. Then they just leave. <laughs> yeah, this is this is elevated background noise. Like you can really have this as like you come in, you come out, you're going to catch something. You know, the only reveal that could ever be missed really is like, is that old guy, the bus driver? You know, and somebody could just go, yeah, and then they'd figure it out. You know, so really. <laughs> yeah. you'd and it's. It's pretty, it's revealed pretty hard with that shot of the fire. If somebody's in the bathroom, you know, you can just nudge them. If you miss the ring shot, you're, they, they really hammered it in after you're like, oh, I see that they're both wearing the ring. And then they're like, oh no, that's literally the picture for some reason he still has. Yeah. There aren't that many people in this town. There's only this one street really. We're good to go. You know? So I think like the constant reminders help you out there and really, you know, I don't know if it demands too much repeat watching because like after a while, 
you, you start to have these segments like the werewolf segment or even, you know, some of the kills at the end that are like, all right, this is this is memorable, but not, you know, just an absolute. But it's tight. Yeah, I, I love that. It's tight. It feels a perfect length. But for, yeah, but if you're going into it for sub 90 minutes for a first watch, it's it's going to it's going to give you a deserved watch. You know, it's it's a good use of your time. Chris, this is a great choice. I mean, Trick or Treat is fantastic. And now we're going to start to experiment a little bit more. You know, we, we had our, 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 our classic sort of Halloween single, and now we're going to explore a few more genres and maybe kind of bend the rules ourselves a little bit with our next entries. So I'm excited to dive back in. Yep. I just want to thank everyone for listening and tuning in. I was very excited to get Trick or Treat as our opening movie of this playlist. And I think it just kind of encapsulates what's coming in store for the next 30 days. And I'm excited to see what twists and turns and what, you know, things we argue about, what things we love. And, uh, you know, just shout out to my my favorite little dude out there, Billy Wilkins. Love him. <laughs> you know, if, he, if he's out there murdering someone this Halloween, you know, look me up. I'll have my jack lantern lit. We can talk about things. I'll help you with the eyes. I always will. Be careful of the rules this month. It's a dangerous game. So stay spooky out there, Billy Wilkins. <laughs> and maybe use like a, a light or something inside candles because fire can be dangerous. Too. Yeah, it seems like the, the the ideal thing is to just stay home and leave candy out. And if you want to live, because if you step outside your house, there's a good chance you're going to die. It's safe to stay in, watch a movie and listen to this podcast. <laughs> there's werewolves and principals dressed as vampires out there. People who lived through the end. Billy Wilkins.